Hey everybody, welcome to episode two of La Femme versus Nikita. I'm Alicia. And I'm Cynical Black Dude. And this week we are going to be discussing the pilot of the OG La Femme Nikita series and the pilot of the CW Nikita series. We are super excited. So, but let me tell you about the format that we decided on. So each week we are going to tackle one episode from each series. Uh, If you've watched them both, you know we're going to run into some issues later on because (laughs) LFN has way more episodes than Nikita does, but we'll figure that out when we get to to that point. But for this week, it's pilot versus pilot. And Cynical Black Dude, I know you had never seen LFM Nikita, right? That's correct. And I've got, I am very surprised by how much I enjoyed it, especially without the nostalgia factor that I thought was going to really be necessary to get to your level of excitement about it. So yeah, I watched it for the first time ever and thoroughly enjoyed it. And yeah, it just also, it did make me want to go and start rewatching Dina again, really put me in my nineties feels, (laughs) but uh, yeah, like actually really enjoyed it. And once again, point of no return comes in at the bottom because even comparing to Comparing this 90s TV series first episode, Point of No Return was still the worst option. But we'll get deeper into details about that because that's, it's a good idea. Like You can tell that La Femme Nikita also watched Point of No Return and also recognized the flaws and was like, we can do better than that. Right. And they did. Yes. Yes, they did. It was a lot of fun watching La Femme Nikita again. I hadn't seen it, um, I don't even know in how long. At least 10 years, I'd say. And probably way more than that to do like a serious um, watch through instead of just an episode here or there or just like a clip here or there. So it's been a really long time since I've seen the series in full. So I'm super excited to watch all these episodes again. I really enjoyed watching the pilot of LFN. It was it was really dope. What do you think? What do you think when when it started? Like, what were your apprehensions going into watching it? Um, One of my big ones was that I think either you had let me know or when I was looking up about it, it mentioned that this was one of the only uh, iterations where Nikita didn't kill someone to go to jail. And I really thought that that was going to come across as a cop-out to the whole premise, is that like when you watch Point of No Return and the original Nikita film, she did kill them, and she killed them in cold blood, and it kind of establishes her character. And I thought that copping out was going to be a play off that whole storyline and uh, point of no return where she starts to feel guilty about what she's doing and it felt disingenuous in there. Um, but it actually works out a lot better in the show because it's actually a major plot point that they continue to address and discuss throughout the entire episode. So it entirely makes sense that she is a character starting from somewhere else. And she has to deal with the fact that she's starting to come up. It wasn't just a cop-out. It's an entire issue. And the best part is that she maintains agency with that issue in the end, which we'll get there. But it was very satisfying because I was so apprehensive about that decision that they didn't just make it like callously. They really made it a plot point and discussed it and did the groundwork to make it make sense with the character. I remember when Nikita came out, and they went back to the original, she killed someone in cold blood, even though in the pilot for Nikita, she's like, they say I killed someone, 
I don't really remember. Uh, but if you watch the entire series, you know yeah. that she actually yeah. did. Yeah. And I remember thinking, oh, like this is a great choice for them to go back to that. And I had forgotten how important that decision to have uh, the original series have that Nikita not kill someone in yeah. cold blood was to her character until I was watching this episode and I was like, that's right. It wasn't just some cavalier, oh, yeah. we're just not gonna do it because we need yeah. her to be sensitive and have moral equivocations about things and so on and so forth. It's like, what happens when you think someone is a cold blood killer and you put them into a situation for that purpose and it turns out they're not, but their life depends on being this false identity yeah. And now they have to either commit or die. We'll talk about setting up a conflict yes. to build a show it, on. It was a great decision. Like I said, I'm only going from the first episode, but the fact that it is a very conscious choice that wasn't just, because here's what my fear was. When it was initially shown that she didn't kill him and she just got caught up in the system, I was like, they're just trying to make her more likable. And they're going to like, they just like, oh, well, we, I, how do I put it? My fear was that given a movie, you have enough time to move her from cold hearted killer to someone that you can still root for. And I was scared that they were worried that in a show, they have to really establish that quickly in like the first episode. Because if we decide we don't like the main character in the first episode, that's kind of it for a show. Like if the pilot is like, oh God, who, who wants to root for her? And you don't have as much time to do that in even like, you know, a 45 minute pilot, like as you would in a movie. And I thought they made a decision based on that. And I was like, that was a weak decision. But then as I watched and go through, I realized that no, they built a story around this entire concept. I was very satisfied. Like it's, it was really good. And it, they did yeah. it very well. Like, Okay, so I wanna talk about the beginnings of both pilots. In La Femme Nikita, they managed to set up the entire backstory in two minutes yeah it was amazing especially in comparison to point of no return like uh actually across all of them across all four they do something similar we'll, we'll get into what's going on in nikita which i thought was really good and i really enjoyed what they did there but we'll touch on that later but for the most part they use a very similar similar formula across all four both movies and both pilots and the pilots managed to condense what was, God, like almost a quarter of the movie into two minutes each. And in terms of OG LFN, it was amazing because they did so much better than Point of No Return. <laughs> like, you can very clearly see that they watched both movies and all the highlights we, must, we discussed last episode about Point of No Return's uh, shortcomings. Right. That's generous. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm, you know, yeah. we're not we're not trying to be harsh here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they noted those and they realized that these are the things we should not do. Right. And yeah, so they managed to give Nikita of the OG series this intro without all the agency stealing of point of no return. In exactly. two minutes. In, In two, two minutes, because I lo- I stopped it. I was like, wait a minute, how long did this just take them? to set up this whole thing. One, they're aware that everybody, for the most part, excuse me, knows this story. Yeah. So you don't, ne- you don't need to dig as deeply and explain as much as you would in a feature, but also 
you know you're going to have hours and hours and hours to get to know these people. So you don't have to do as much work setting up character motivation. You, you, you're going to have time to dig deeper into that as the seasons go forward. So what did you think of Michael versus Bob? <laughs> okay. This is complex because much better, <laughs> much better than Bob. But this harkens to literally the first note I wrote about the show on my little notepad here, which is so 90s. <laughs> so 90s. Like, like that whole slick back hair. Like, I was like, oh, man. Like, he hit me right in the 90s. Like, yes. Yes. <laughs> All about it. I mean, the whole show. The whole show. Yeah. I remember having yeah. a La Femme Nikita soundtrack. Like, I was in deep. <laughs> I was in deep and that music is so <laughs> listening to the soundtrack on this series. Now I'm like, wow, what was I listening to yeah. in the nineties? Apparently that, and like Sarah McLaughlin, I think wow. being an emo yeah. teenager or something. Yeah. So that, I, yeah. I like, I like I'd Michael. Like yeah, yeah. He is much better. And so like some of the notes I wrote it, I wrote about him were simple. Like the fact that, when he is addressed by the head of their section one, um, the conversation is very different where he's like, I believe in her. I think she's good. And in this case, one, I'll, we'll circle back to this, but this Nikita's had more time at this point and they don't have that whole her acting off the walls for no reason scene. They just say it. It's like, hey, she's been not perfect. Two weeks get her on track or we're going to cancel, which I also like the head of their division there or sorry, not division getting my, my sex, section yeah. one, getting yeah. him confused. I like him a lot more than the creepy sex offender from Point of No Return. Yeah, Mostly it's because, a low bar. Yes, yeah. Well, no, because we're going to get into Percy, and I've got a lot to say about Percy, because <laughs> bad guy, but magnificent bastard. But yeah. this guy, he does what he's supposed to, just like the original, where he's just this pragmatic guy, where he's like, I've got no personal feelings on her whatsoever. I just need somebody to produce. Right. can't produce. Get rid of her. Like, she's we'll like bring in another- we have standards. She's not meeting them. Time to go. Yeah. That's it. And it's, and it's like, and it makes so much more sense because it's not like this, like, sense of, like, an- animosity. Like, oh, you know, she's sexy, but I'm so angry at her about it. Like, all that complicated energy that you were getting from Point of No Return. This is just a dude who's doing his job, and his job is very pragmatic and ruthless. But he doesn't have, like, you know, something going on. He's like, I'm looking at the numbers, and she's not meeting her numbers. Um, replace it. And it's like, fine. That's all you needed from him. <laughs> like, like right. said, low bar. This is what's going on. He's just a MacGuffin, just to move the plot along. Right. Yeah. And it's sad that that's what I have to be satisfied with, but Point of No Return really left me, like, feeling some type of way. This is a small side note, but I appreciated the kidney lesson versus the you never chamber the first bullet lesson. Yes, that is a really good point, (laughs) because I've never heard. Which, so I did go and look up something from OG movie to um uh, point of no return apparently people who carry revolvers don't put one in the first cylinder round as a safety issue because of how revolvers used to work Uh so that's where the chain came in in terms of the script where they switched it to an automatic where and don't get me wrong i do know people who open carry and they have a debate about whether or not you should chamber around it's a thing. Like, it's apparently a thing that people do who even carry automatics who don't actually, I mean, semi-automatics who don't actually load around. Sorry, gun thing. But it's just, it's, it's, 
it doesn't make sense. Like you're a goddamn assassin it's, and you don't have a bullet. Like, right. <laughs> like, I, mean, I feel like if you're carrying a semi-automatic weapon, the only reason you have that is to do significant damage. So why are you not chambered yes, in the first that, round? That's my point. Otherwise, like, you don't need that weapon. <laughs> that, need and that's always been my argument, which is that if you are in a situation where you have time to chamber around, you have time to leave. Like right. you don't need to get the shootout. Right. Like you can, like if you have that time, you have time to go somewhere else where you don't need to be shooting or getting shot at. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, sorry. So yeah, M- Michael far superior to um both bobs. Both bobs. I liked his energy. I like that there's no like weird sexual tension happening at all. He's yes. just very um what is the word? He's emo. Yes, and so yes. you get emo feelings from him, but not weird sexual yeah. tension. Yeah, he's 90s. Like he's, yeah, in, he's, he's 90s. 90s. Like yes. that is exactly what he is. He's from 1997, as 1997 as you could possibly get. Yes. Like, and yes. that's totally fine. Uh, one problem I did have is I didn't like, I, I don't know where the decision to defend Nikita so much comes from. I know it's like a plot point that obviously she's the star of the show, so she has to stay there. But his decision to like risk himself to get her another chance, which both good and bad. Um, bad because you haven't seen them develop the connection that you get in the show where they interact enough for him to be willing to put himself in a compromised position based on her performance. I don't feel like they had developed that quite so much because it was only a two-minute intro. Right. But I understand, I understand why they made a decision. It's a show. Obviously, these two are going to be interacting. They just had to speed it along. But I was like, mm, I felt like you could have done a little bit more. It's because of his soulful eyes. They tell you the story all by themselves. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need to know. The soulful eyes means that he cares. <laughs> he may be a cold-blooded killer, but deep down, he cares. But also, I think there's something to the, the argument that if someone is your charge and you have spent years training this person to just be like all right well it didn't work out i wasn't good enough and you weren't good enough so you know if you have any pride in your work i think you would want to give that person a final chance to get it right and take that chance you're taking it on them but you're also taking that chance on yourself that you were good enough to get the job done basically that's a good point because that's another thing they did that's different from point of no return and actually nikita which is they split the difference between six months and uh, five years. Yeah. And they went two years. And like I said, you don't really see it, but they mentioned that it's been two years. She's been training. And um, yeah, like my other problem is just that um, section one head talks about how Nikita's failing. They don't actually show that. Like they don't have that scene that both movies had where like she lashes out and acts out and acts up. They don't have that in this. So you just get this informed flaw that you never really see. I don't but mind I, not seeing it. Yeah, no, I was going to say yeah. it's fine. Um, but I do like the fact that it's two years. Because once again, that six months was nonsense. Um, because she I, also kind of went along with it fairly, in, an un, in a fairly uncomplicated manner. Like, yeah. once he set up the situation, she's like, well, I guess this is, you know, yeah. what's happening now. But also, without being fully committed to it. And yeah. we know why she's not fully committed to it. It's because she's not who they think she is. Yeah. And then that comes up later. So I think taken all together, it works 
and they don't need to show her not getting it like just me seeing her not learning how to you know eat right or walk right or something isn't really integral to me understanding who or who she is or why she might be struggling in this scenario oh let's talk about madeline oh okay yes so my first thing about her was that she was so young like and it threw me for a loop because like she's such a maternal figure in both movies and like someone that you know nikita or whatever you want to call her and Point of no return, I forgot already. Maggie. Looks, yeah, Maggie. Like, looks up to and respects. And then having her so young and be of a comparable age really threw me for a loop. For, like, I don't know how of- young she is. I think, I have no idea how old Alberta Watson was when, when that show started. I feel like she's not as young as you think she is. Oh, okay. Maybe. But, like, it was significantly younger than freaking um, OG Nikita movie. That's true. Like. That's definitely true. So she was born in 1955. In 97, that would have put her, uh, what, 40? Sorry, uh, you add 40 years to that. So 42, sorry, I did it the wrong way. I did 42? Okay. Yeah, that's not that. That's yeah, not that old. Older. You're right. That, that's, that's young, but it's not, it's not that old. Yeah, though. it's not as young. Yeah. It's not as young. It is not as young as I thought it was. It's a, it's a young for 2020. I don't know how yeah. young that is for 1997, though. Yeah, yeah. With the way Hollywood works. So yeah. in, in Hollywood in 1997, they're probably like, let's get a grandma. And they're like, yeah, yeah. 40 seems about right. Let's <laughs> <laughs> Thank God we've moved a little bit further away from that. I, I liked her approach, which was very much an us versus them sort of deal, which I think is a smart way to sort of indoctrinate someone into a cause because that's her purpose. Whether she's nice, whether she really is on Nikita's side or not, her purpose is to get Nikita to toe the line. And so if you are the teacher, you have to figure out a way, well, how am I going to do this? And then you have to look at your student and you're like, okay, well, for her, she doesn't belong anywhere. She yeah. wants to be a part of something. So she, I'm going to create a small family for us to be a part of here. It's, you know, you have to do this with me because they are not going to let us survive, basically, yeah. if we don't do this right. I, I liked that energy. Oh, and I also liked, oh, no, well, that's, that's to talk about in the next, in, the, in Nikita. When oh, we talk oh, about good. Amanda. Amanda. We'll, we'll yeah. get to oh, that. Oh, we'll oh. get to that later. We'll get to that oh, later. All right. But so circling back a little bit and going backwards a little bit, I really like the fact that Michael tied his fate to Nikita's mm-hmm. with regards to her success. This is the good reason, because it made more sense for that damn dinner. Like it made so much more sense for why he did it on her. Like in this case, it wasn't even her birthday. It was just this nice treat. But like the energy from the first two movies, it felt so unnecessary, just a little bit of extra cruelty. to like, hey, it's your birthday. We're going to screw you over right now. Right. And right. so, like, you know, I, I allowed it in the original Nikita film. It was very weirdly done in Put of No Return. In this case, it makes sense. He's like, I have to show that you are capable. And we have to do it now because we've been given a deadline that is a real ass deadline. And like, no emotion. Yeah. And that's what I appreciate about, like, straight to business. There's, like you said, there's none of that. There's none of that energy of I'm trying to set you up to ruin your life 
or I'm kind of a little bit into you, but we're not going to really talk about it right now. You know, there's none of that. It's just like, you know, here, we're out. You deserve it. Also, there's a mission. Get this PDA, whatever. And, you know, they do the whole iconic scene and whatnot. Everybody's supposed to die with the um, right. <laughs> everybody's supposed Which, to die with a rocket launcher, but nobody dies. I do appreciate that she took her shoes off. Yes. Can okay. we talk yes. about how ahead of the game they were in 1997? Yes. Like, <laughs> but I would say that you got to remember in the original movie, she took her shoes off first. That's true. And in Point of No Return, she kept the shoes on, and you're like, really? Like, yeah. Like, once again, one of those small decisions that they had the character make that you just like, that's what you changed from the original movie? Like, you were like, no, she should be in high heels for this gunfight. Yeah. Like, so do you think that when, when they're in the kitchen and Nikita is shooting at these guys, we know she's not a killer. She can't kill anybody, right? Yeah. So do you think she's a bad shot or do you think she's missing on purpose and she's just doing scare shooting? I think it's the intersection between those two things. Because, well, now, because originally I was like, what is this nonsense? Like, it's hindsight from finishing the episodes. I thought they were still just trying to play the game of like, oh, you know, she doesn't want to kill or like they were planning on TV, like, oh, we're not going to really show killing. I was like, I don't know, like 97, were they really doing that? And so my whole idea was I wasn't quite sure if she, I wasn't quite sure if the show was purposely leaning into her not being a killer and that's why she was missing or if they were still unsure and they just like, ah, let's just have her shoot randomly. But in hindsight, after finishing the whole episode and realizing how much this idea of her not being a killer plays in, I feel like it's a cross-section of, I need to stop them, but the panic fire. Like, I've shot a gun. It's really hard to aim at someone in a high-stress situation. And if you're not committed, there's no way you can hit. So I feel like mm-hmm. it's that perfect intersection of, I don't want to kill them, but I don't want to die. And that's why she's missing. And then when she hit that pipe, I was like, no, that's too much aim. Like, she's got some purpose behind these shots, and it's to not kill them. Right. And I actually liked it. Like, once I finished the whole episode, I actually thought back about that scene and realized how much more significant it was and how much better it was and how because it played out. I think those were deliberate choices on her part yes. yeah. to not kill those people and yeah. to just give her an opportunity to get away with the least amount of damage, the least yeah. amount of human life um, taken. Until they started, until they shot a rocket at her, because that until is still the rocket. You have to have it. Yes, I, or you do. do you? <laughs> we'll, we'll, to we'll, be, to be discussed. To be discussed. <laughs> to be discussed. So I like that. Um, at the like when they got into the car, that Michael, the way he explained why he did it this way. And how like based it was on, I need you, I need to know, we need to know that no matter what your mindset is, you can perform. So no, this isn't just me being an asshole. This is a setup for life to see if you can perform under stressful situations. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, that is appropriate. Yes. So I read a lot of fantasy and one of the character archetypes I hate is the mysterious older mentor who doesn't ever talk about why he's doing what he does and it never makes sense it's like you were training someone just communicate with them. like the whole trope of poor communication poor communication kills is one of my pet peeves like we are adults we have complicated language you can express a point and 
the most important part of that is that he explains that to her while she's mad at him. And then she calms down because she's like, oh, I understand. You have communicated to me a very complex idea of what was going on and right. your thought and rationale behind it. And now in hearing that, I can recognize that, oh my goodness, you're right. That makes right. sense. I don't have I'm to not, like it, but, yeah, I but I understand why you did it. Yes. And it makes sense instead of like in both movies, because as much as I like Nikita, that's one of Bob's flaws is that Bob is not really like, like original Bob doesn't really communicate because his reason for taking her out on her birthday just felt callous. And there was never any like explanation. It's like, oh, it's your final mission. But we decided to do it on your birthday just because. Because he's like half in love with her. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. clouds the judgment. It clouds the judgment. He's so like, I wanted they... this date. Because say that again. Because I wanted this date first, but you know. Exactly. We got to have dinner and wine. Sorry, you got to go kill some people. Right. Bye. <laughs> Whoopsies. So then they end up in Nikita's brand new fancy apartment. And <laughs> you get introduced to the sunglasses. Yes. Which I mentioned before yes, was a part of the Save that. Nikita uh, campaign that happened to, to get a season five. And you get this time lapse, basically, of Nikita living her life. But, you know, there's no, like, I don't know what a grocery store is. Yeah. What Which... is food? Like, <laughs> how do you use a stove? You know, like, she grew up in the woods or something. Yeah. You don't get that. And when she does interact with another human, it's... Here's what I really appreciated about that scene. She's living her life. She's living her best life, right? Putting her decorations together, whatever. There's a knock on the door. Yeah, as much as she doesn't want to be a cold-blooded killer, she's been, just spent the last several years of her life learning how to be an assassin and a, and a spy. So a sh- knock comes on your door. You're not expecting anybody. You are prepared to handle business if you need to. And I so appreciated that that was her first instinct yeah. was to because turn the wires into a weapon just in case. Yeah. And it made sense. Like, and that's always one of my pet peeves with shows where character decisions are just so off the wall where her decision, it wasn't even extreme. It was like, because if someone knocks on my door right now, I'm here with my roommate. I already talked to my dad. I know my mom, my stepdad are doing, and my sister's at work. Anyone knocks on my door right now, I'm going to be suspicious. Right. And I'm just a dude who's on a podcast. (laughs) It is totally valid that if you're just living your best life already and a stranger knocks on your door, especially when you look at the people and you're like, this is someone I've never met in my entire life. And at first their face is totally covered by a plant already super suspicious. Yeah. Like her reaction was totally valid and it totally made sense. And yeah, it played out very well. And like, how how do I express this? It's a scene that is easily overlooked because of how well it's done. And I find that in movies, it's only once I go back and reanalyze these things do I realize how well something is done. Because when it's done so well, sometimes you just overlook it. And so the scene and how she reacted in it made so much sense that I actually didn't really pick up on that until we just started talking about it right now. But in hindsight, I recognize that I didn't pick up on it because it wasn't jarring. It didn't kick me out of the Mm -hmm. narrative of the story. Because that all made sense in what's going on. But it's also foreshadowing, right? Because you know this based on the key to the series. But if you just look at the entirety, maybe less so uh, for point of no return. um, But Nikita is good at what she does, right? Especially in Nikita the series. Yeah. 
she's very good at what she does. Whether she wants to do it or not, there's an innate sensibility for the work. Yeah. And the fact that she was able to do that, make that choice to protect herself and turn the decorations into a weapon, I feel like is foreshadowing for how good Nikita will become at her job. Being that I've seen yeah, the series. Okay. I mean, but of course you have to know that. Like that's not like a spoiler yeah. or anything. Yeah, no, no. You no. know. <laughs> but on that note, I do want to point out that I very much enjoyed the first episode and I had to make the conscious decision to not watch ahead because me I think too. For, <laughs> for the purpose of the podcast, I think me not seeing the rest of the series plays well with you of already seeing it. Um and I've had to make the conscious decision not to sit and binge during <laughs> these terrible times and but it was very difficult. Like I just watched a, a pilot of a show and I was like, oh, this is very enjoyable. And there's five seasons of it. And I had to be like, one episode a week. Right. It was right. tough. It, it was. was. Tough. It, it was, was tough. tough for me. And I've seen them all. It was tough for me. And I was like, well, I could just watch it. And then I could just watch it again. I've already seen them. So I could just watch it now. And then I'll watch it again next week. And That's what I was Cynical Black Dude will never know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about the same thing. Like, I was like, it's fine. But then I was like, no, because it won't just be one episode. And next thing I know, I'm going to be 15 episodes ahead. And when I comment, like, I think it brings an authenticity to this whole discussion about the fact that I haven't seen the rest. Yeah. And I would definitely lose that if I go and pass, like rush through two seasons right. next week. Right. So it's, it's tough. It's tough. But I'm struggling. It is. But this is a good struggle. This is a fun yeah. struggle to have. Yeah. So so she finally meets Carla. And Carla is Carla is nice. And I liked the reaction of Nikita when she realized that Carla wasn't there to kill her. She was like, ooh, a friend. Yeah. I would like a friend. <laughs> you know? Like I've totally been isolated with a bunch of killers for a bunch of years. And now I'm out in the world. And a friend would be nice. I appreciate that. Not a boyfriend, not a Marcos, just a friend, a female yeah. friend to hang yeah. out with, drink some wine with, talk shit with. And then she gets her phone call and you get that Josephine, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's off to the mission, right? Yeah. In the hotel. What do you think? What did you think about this versus Nikita and uh, Point of No Return? Um, I liked it. Uh, I did think that they chose, uh, the fact that they chose, like, what looked like a Motel 6 into their hotel instead of, like, the high-end stuff in the other two movies was weird, but I liked it. What I really liked was this is the point where I really realized they were leaning into she's not a killer. The scene where the bellhop comes in and Michael's like, that guy is a bad guy. You need to shoot him. And she's just freezing and she can't figure out what she's going to do. And it was like, oh, they really are making this a significant plot point. And I was so satisfied with the decision. Like, it went wrong, but it went wrong in a way that made sense. That mm -hmm. here, freaking section one is faced head on with the reality that, oh, crap, Nikita really is not a killer. What are we going to do? And it was just a split second, but it was just like, this is a thing now. So I like that. And I like that they canceled the mission. Also, Thank because God. it yes. makes yes. sense, which making sense can be taken for granted in a television yeah. show. Yes. 
And the fact that that shit went off the rails and Michael was like, cancel, let's get out of here. Move it, we gotta go. This is not gonna work. Yeah, which, like, compared to the movies, because while both of them went off the rails different ways in the movies, both of their their cleaners' decision to just, like, we're gonna power through, and it's like, power through what? Right, you're You're gonna power through to your death. That's what happens. Like, because here's always my thing. I always feel that, like, especially when you want to have, like, these guys who are master spies and stuff, do they have a strategy session? Like, when they talk about, like, hey, here's the here's the mistakes we can deal with and how we can work around them. Like, what, I always wonder in those movies, like, what was your win scenario? Right. Like, what did you think, like, what was your best outcome from this point? Like, what did you envision happening? Like, yeah. Because in OG Nikita movie, like, I still can't believe he's like, I'm going to take on the military. Yeah. One I mean, good like, luck. And I mean, we see how that ended for him. So good call by Michael to yeah. get them the hell out of there. And then he meets up. I love this scene. I love this scene where they are sitting in the room for the debrief. Yes. And you know what? Debriefs are definitely a thing that should happen. Yes. Like, <laughs> right? th- thank you. Thank you. Like, we need to discuss. Like, even, even when it's not a failure, if everything went according to plan, that's also some important stuff to discuss because, like, right. man, that worked. We need to make some notes on this successful right. stuff, too. Yeah. Like, this is just how normal, whether you're an assassin or not, this is how normal team-based projects work. Yeah, you talk like, about it before, during, and after. Like, like I have friends who work as, like, computer programmers at, like, you know, Microsoft. You know what? They have debrief, too. Yeah. Because <laughs> it just, like... <laughs> yeah. You got to talk about these things. But I just loved... I loved the, the, the low-key anger of Michael. And I love that she expressed, you know, I'm not who you think I am. I am not a killer. And his response is, well, the moment I actually believe that, you have a problem. And I like that it's this subtextual acknowledgement of the fact that that might be true, what she's saying, but it's also irrelevant to the life that they are living right now. So either way, you need to get on board with what's happening. And it just, what I love so much about this pilot is the economy of it and how they're able to do so much, so efficiently. It is, it is amazing. I love this pilot. I love this pilot. Pilots are notoriously difficult. Yeah. Like you have to do so much. And like, I feel like they do get a leg up because they had two movies, one highly successful, one that failed, which, you know. Using failure as a barometer is still useful. Recognizing, like, this is why I went wrong. So they had a lot. But, like, even with that, making success and making a pilot that is this strong is, like, like really good. Like, it, they did a lot and communicated a lot. And especially because they chose not to go with the exact story told in both movies. Mm-hmm. And they decided to introduce a new conflict. And they were able to develop that conflict, flesh it out and show it evolving in like 42 minutes. That's really impressive to like shut up, like I'm assuming this is gonna be a giant conflict with the entire series and make you understand it that quickly while also giving you a good understanding of at least two characters and establishing the world they're living in. Because even though it's a spy world, they are still have to establish the rules of their spy world and what's going on. And they did that fairly well. And showing the resources of their section one and stuff all that in 42 minutes without making it feel heavy-handed or having an exposition dump, really concise, like, very yeah. well done. 
extremely well done, extremely well done. So then we're on to the final mission of the pilot. I love that they set up this entire elaborate car crash to trick this person into <laughs> into like getting out of their car or something. It's very extra. Like it is <laughs> it's very problem, extra. My problem is whenever I see things like that, I'm like, oh, obviously this is a very well thought out plan. Why did you leave them where there's an easy access to a sewer and a getaway spot? Like, why you, like, like yes. if you were going to do all this, you could have just set this up in a different spot in the route. Like, right, right. Or, or like, two, you guys could have reacted when he first got out of the car instead of waiting him, like, let him look around a little bit and be like, it's a trap. Like, right, right General Akbar. I'm right, not Akbar. sure what they were waiting for exactly. And that guy took forever. And he's, like, looking around. What gives it away? Yeah. That it's a trap. I was wondering the same thing like, <laughs> because I was like, what is he queuing in on? Like, right. normally when you do that, you get like the Sherlock scan where they highlight something weird or somebody made a mistake. And it was like, like they went through a lot of trouble to make it look real. And it did. So yeah. <laughs> all those resources wasted. But yeah. like what gave it away? I, 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 guess I have just, no idea. <laughs> I guess he's just that much of a badass. He's like, I've been trapped before. I know what yeah. a trap looks like. Yeah. And you're like, really? Because I didn't Smell know. Smell it in the wind. This is fake. So then it's a shootout, and Nikita follows soon to be. Uh, does this guy die? No, he doesn't die. He no. he gets he gets caught up though. Yeah. Follows this guy down into the sewer, and they have like a whole meeting with the with the villain, and the villain talks villain talk, and then uh, he starts to torture, or he attempts. To no, he shoots that dude once. That's torture already. Like he's no, I'm not talking about the dude. I'm talking about Nikita. He attempts to intimidate her, but it doesn't work at all. Yeah, which I like because I feel like that had nothing to do with. I just learned to be a badass spy. That was just her. Yeah, like (laughs) that was from the heart. Like yeah, that was from the heart. Like I'm not here for the bullshit. (laughs) I don't know what. I don't know who you think you are, (laughs) but what I'm not gonna do is fall in line with whatever this bullshit is you know you, we could die here we could all die here like <laughs> like i already know row 30 plot eight <laughs> yeah it's like they got a spot for me it's all good whatever right. you want to do dog yeah so let's just you know make yeah. it do what it do basically so then how does it how does this set piece work michael like drops down like he's like batman I mean, that is the best (laughs) summation of this Michael I have ever heard. 97 emo. Yes, yes, Yes. that is that is exactly who he is. He's Batman. (laughs) Yes. That was like drops down into the sewer and he starts to handle his business. And then Nikita activates, I guess, you know, and and is shooting people, not killing anybody, subduing the villains. I would like to say good person of interest moment. Like kneecapping's not killing this is true <laughs> like, i'm just saying like, i had just, to pause there because you know what i was watching earlier today <laughs> were you watching that scene again i was watching several episodes thank you very much <laughs> not just one episode you want to discuss what one episode i'm thinking it is so you can let them okay watch. so listen if you have not watched person of interest you need to if you have not watched person of interest i don't want to say you're living your life wrong I just want to say that you should probably look inside yourself and 
reevaluate some things because Person of Interest is a great show. And if you love Nikita, any version of Nikita, you will also love the character of Samin Shaw on Person of Interest and the character of Root on Person of Interest. You will love them. Samin doesn't show up until season two, episode 16. Yes, I know exactly what episode it is. <laughs> Because it's a phenomenal episode of television. It could actually act as a as its own. It's not a backdoor pilot, but it could act it very be. well like, as really, a backdoor pilot. I really thought it was, like when yeah. you watch it. But yeah. um, You could just watch that episode and not know anything about that show. And then yeah. use that to decide if you want to get involved in the show or not. Because that's exactly what I did. And then I ended up falling in love with the show. I feel like we have to talk about that show eventually too. Just because I want to make the parallels between Percy and Elias. So, uh, Ooh, yes. Interesting. Like, now that you brought up, but we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll yeah, to yeah. That. Man, the plot thickens. Yeah. Okay. So, Batman drops into the scene and he starts taking care of business and Nikita starts taking care of business. And then what happens? So, then Nikita turns and she has the gun pointed at Michael. And especially after watching CW Nikita, all I could think was, is she going to try and make a break for it? Like, is it? like, and I know you told me that that's not the same show and they're doing a whole different thing. But without watching the show, I was like, yo, is, is she just like, you know what? Section one, I'm, I'm over it. And they had the beat so long that I was like, I think she's going to do it. And then she shoots the dude behind Michael. And we mentioned this before when we were talking about um, Man of Steel. Where in Man of Steel, yes, there are going to be spoilers for Man of Steel. If you haven't seen it, don't. I can't help. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I enjoyed three quarters of Man of Steel. Okay, I did not, but we, we won't get into that. But we're just talking <laughs> about the so. But we did discuss it. The fact that they decided to have Superman kill General uh, Zod, and it's not the problem. The problem isn't that they had him kill him. That makes sense in the story they're telling and where they're going. That it's like, oh my God, what do you do? with a villain who's this powerful like you can't you can't incapacitate him you can't contain him this is what you have to do the problem comes in in that there were no consequences none he kills this not guy to his psyche nothing it did not just, impact superman at all and that makes no sense for the character of superman that's not that's not who superman is and it is completely disingenuous to his character to yeah. everything he has ever been it just doesn't make sense and even more like this is going a little bit too deep into Superman mythos, but they've had entire issues where they talked about how Superman has these moral dilemmas about his decision where he can't be that person who does this kind of thing because he has no oversight. And like, you know, he's built himself on that idea he doesn't kill. And I bring that up because in this case, Nikita, who very clearly throughout this entire episode has professed that she is not a killer and everything we've seen of her is that she's not a killer, makes this decision to kill someone to protect Michael. And at the end of the episode, it ends with the phone ringing for Josephine, and she doesn't take it, and she's just sitting there, dealing with the grief and the reality that she's killed someone. And that bit of reality to, like, the fact that she did do this, and she has to deal with these consequences, is so much more genuine, and makes the entire storyline that they started up at the beginning, where she chose, where she didn't kill someone, to where there are now that she's in this place where she has to kill, feels so much more satisfying in terms of a character arc and a character development. Yeah, I have, a, I have a slightly different interpretation of that end scene in that 
Well, even, even to back up just a little bit, when she kills this guy who was going to kill Michael, it just says so much more than almost anything else has said about her character in the entire show. And is that the right thing to do there was to kill that guy, right? And that she's loyal. And so the ability to understand having to do a bad thing for the right reasons is something that she can understand given the appropriate circumstances. So fast forward to the end scene. And what I really liked about it, one, again, simplicity. You don't have to do a lot. You just, you just don't have to do that much. It's just her sitting in her brand new fancy apartment that doesn't feel so great right now. And she's the only thing really in the frame where she's the most important thing in the frame. And she's crying and she has that photo of her grave that nobody went to. And she crumples it up, right? And it's like, okay, at the beginning of this, she's like, I am not, I am not a killer. You're a cold-blooded killer. I am not a killer. I'm not a killer, right? And then at the end, she's crumpling this picture because it is a death. It's a death of, even though she fake died, now in this moment, you're getting a true death of whoever she was before the moment she took that man's life. And she's crumpling that picture and that's what that signifies. And I think she actually does pick up the phone and because if she doesn't pick up the phone, you don't get to hear him say Josephine. Oh yeah, yeah. Right? So, but you don't actually see it. And that's what I love is that you don't see it. You just focus on her and her tears and there's this resignation that this is her life now whether she likes it or she doesn't like it but you understand what the stakes are and that it's going to be a struggle going forward and just to end this the pilot on that scene uh chef's kiss (laughs) i love it i love it even more now than i did when i originally saw it because i understand a lot more things now about about film and what's good yeah (laughs) right about film and television and what's good and now i can appreciate even more so what a phenomenal job they did yeah and that's my thing is like well after talking to you for so many years i feel like i've had to educate myself better on being like i like it and actually trying to find (laughs) the words to describe why i enjoy things and what they've done well and what they've done wrong just to keep up with you when we talk about shows (laughs) and with that watching this pilot was it was amazing like like i said i thoroughly enjoyed it and i wanted to keep watching because i was not gonna lie i was very hesitant yeah with some of the things you told me when we started this yeah but it was so good and yeah like i definitely would give it the two thumbs up in terms and i can see why this was the strongest show on usa for a while yep. if they maintain that level from that pilot like that yep. is like yeah Loved it. So, all right. Now we are moving into Nikita, CW version. Oh, yeah. I know that there are people out there who actually do not like this version of Nikita. And I feel like that's, I mean, of course, people like what they like and, you know, for whatever their reasons are. However, I feel like 
if you stick with CW Nikita until it shakes off the CW. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that statement makes a lot of sense. <laughs> There's a really good show there, but it takes them time to really find their footing, I think as a series to where like it's enjoyable if you just like you like to see women kick ass and you enjoy this the the idea of the premise of Nikita then it's it's enjoyable just as itself but I don't think it becomes a truly good show until it sort of stretches its muscles a bit and stops trying to be like you know the pretty person factory that most CW shows are yeah so let's start with um like the beginnings of the show it's so interesting how they chose to tackle Nikita, CW Nikita. Yeah. Um, So since this is my first real connection with it, this is kind of what I felt like when I see the show. It was actually really weird for me to watch the movies and watch uh, the OG series because I'm used to the section one division. I'm used to being the bad guys and like, coming at it from a different perspective is so weird. And I feel like that's very fair to say right off the bat because that's literally the initial voiceover that starts the episode is Nikita talking about her experience in Division and how she's going to go and shut them down because they're the bad guys and you know. And I hate voiceovers, as you know. Yeah. But this is a voiceover that does not bother me. Because it makes sense. And like, I was going to talk about this. So like, so when I first took my first writing class and like, God, like freshman year of college, one of the things they first tell you is um, start at the beginning. Like whenever you're gonna tell a story, if you need to do a flashback, how about you just start the story at the beginning? Right. And I feel like I don't know if this is exactly the same idea, but that voiceover is very important for what you find at the end of the episode. And it's weird rewatching it now, knowing what I know now versus what I knew then. So they do that voiceover, and then you cut away from Maggie Q to Lindsay Fonseca, and her going through the, by now, very traditional intro <laughs> into <laughs> this Nikita universe. Yes. I feel like it's a super smart decision. In hindsight, I feel like it's a, ve- a very smart decision because everyone who cares to know knows the story of Nikita. So yeah. here you are. It's, what, 2010, I think the show yeah. premiered, maybe? Okay. So you are 13 years out from the series and uh, what, 23 years out or something from the first movie, the movie you know, yeah. and so the, this, this IP has been around for a while. So yeah. how can you approach it in a way that is different? And of course you have to, you know, pay your tithes, I guess, to your network overlords of the CW. No shade to the CW. I actually quite enjoy um, many a show yeah, on the CW. Uh, but at this time, I feel like the CW is really still trying to find their footing yeah, uh, and who they want it to be as a network and not just, we just put pretty people in precarious situations. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when you first see Lindsay Fonseca and you're experiencing the original Nikita story through her storyline, you're like, oh, so they're really gonna like, CW Fi, this story, like it's gonna be about like teenagers. <laughs> yeah. And you're gonna have like the mean girl and 
the cute oh, God. was not that cute, but like the cute, you know, boy, Ish, I guess. Yeah. You know, nothing against that actor. Like the actor is fine. It's just the character is like a wet rag. So, <laughs> you know, he's expendable in the show. So <laughs> we'll talk on that later. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm like, oh, okay, I see what we're doing. <laughs> I see what we're doing. We have the show they want to make, which is the Maggie Q version, yeah. and then the show they have to make, which is the Lindsay Fonseca at the beginning of her story. Yeah, yeah. Because talk about a journey. <laughs> yo, yo. Talk about a journey. So I thought that was really interesting. I, I like that they... I won't say that might be too strong of a word. I appreciate that they broke it up in this way to refresh it a little bit. What are your thoughts? So honestly, I hadn't even thought about that CW-fying the show when you highlight it like that. Now I can't unsee it. Now it's going to completely color how I watch the rest of these early episodes. (laughs) But you're absolutely correct. I actually thought it was very interesting and trying to go without thinking about what I know, the parallel of Nikita working against Division, while at the same time you're seeing the initial Nikita story followed out through the eyes of Fonseca, which, very important part, Michael's interactions with, with um, Alex makes so much more sense, like, because you know right off the bat, these two characters are never going to even see each other as a, never. As a set. Like, Never. It, it is amazing how you can have these two characters on this show together for four years and never for one second do you even almost think that like, oh, maybe they would. No. Never. No. It will never. never happen. If the show stayed on 20 years, it would still never happen. And it, it, it I, a- I felt some type of way, honestly, about Shane West at the beginning. Yeah. He took he took some convincing yeah, uh, for that. me, and it wasn't even his version of it wasn't like the version of Michael that they were giving. It was his portrayal. I just, I like, I couldn't peg it. I think that's really what it was. Like, I just, I wasn't quite sure what we were doing, who he was gonna be, you know. But I mean, I grew to love Michael. Yeah, and I, I grew to love Michael yes. and Nikita. This version of Michael and Nikita have one of my most favorite scenes relationship pers- discussions don't we're not going to talk about it okay, because okay, oh, oh. <laughs> we'll wait till we get there to talk about it but just like a little bit of foreshadowing they have one of my most favorite relationship discussions ever and it happens in this series and i'm saying that as a gay woman that these two straight people had one of my most favorite relationship top discussions bar none i think well I won't say bar none, but it's it's up there. Yeah. It's definitely up there. Yeah. To be continued at a later date when we reach okay. that episode. Yeah. I love the fact that you get the exact same character beats as you get from the previous two movies and the show, except at no point in time is there anything even remotely like it is you are literally a cadet and I am at best your drill instructor. And that is this relationship. That is what this relationship is. Yep. And there's no confusion. Like there's two pretty people in a room and they might as well be two North Face and Magnus. Like, nope, we're not. It's not, it's look, we, there's a job. Yeah. This is a job. You do it or you die, plot, whatever, row, whatever. I love the continuity. Yeah. <laughs> At least this time she's ashes. Like this is where your ashes store. And I was like, oh, yes. that's valid. 
Yes. Like, you know, we don't bar- we don't bury poor people. Sorry. <laughs> and then Sorry. nobody was at her funeral. You yeah. know, um, there was no my mother. Uh, also, none of that. Well, we don't get to see. You no, know, when we see it in the original series, there was also no my mother, right? In the key. No, there was. No, she did. She okay. did have a line. She had a line where she's like, "My mom didn't come." Mm, I, I noticed. Okay. That. Yeah, she did have. Okay. It. Yeah. She did have it. So in this one, you you don't get that. We learn out why later on, but yeah. you you don't get that from Alex. And so you have the setup where. Alex commits a crime and she gets taken to division in this case. She meets Michael. Then she has to go through, you know, meeting her teenage compatriots. Yeah. Jade can't stand her. Jade, um, yeah. Can't stand don't her. Don't ever understand the point of Jade and like the, the entire Jade, I, Yeah, I don't know why she was ever there. Well, we know why, because CW. Yeah. But yeah. outside of that, her character served zero purpose except fake female conflict yeah which and is one of my least favorite things yeah because women don't saying. just go around picking fights with one another that's like, what i was gonna say i was like <laughs> especially not in assassin school where when you mess up they just kill you it's right like, yeah let me go show that i'm a disruptive influence in this assassin school and start problems because right. obviously why are you still here yeah. how have they not killed you yet yeah it's just <laughs> like, your attitude like how you should have been canceled long time ago like they probably shouldn't have picked you and you like you know you were the one hoping you were gonna get picked up by division and they just really gave you the needle like, right right but anyway so then you get so this the first 10 minutes of this episode is very exposition heavy yeah in a way that it isn't in la femme nikita and i think that's just a byproduct of the way that they decided to tackle this story and setting up alex as the original story and Nikita as like the fanfic that happens after right like what if what if Nikita left division what would that life be like so really Nikita is a fanfic of left and Nikita (laughs) that way um and so you get her at her foster dad's house yes and I feel like this is a very important difference not because, like, just one, the casual way she breaks that man's wrist. Like, without yes. giving, that's first point is that yes. you know immediately, yes. right off rip, Maggie Q's Nikita Mears is a bad ass. Yep. Like, and it is very important that you know that this is what you're dealing with. This is who she is. And she set that man up to get killed. That, that that's says a lot. Like, that's a lot. Like, yeah. she, she's like, I hate you, and I have no problem with you dying. Like, she's like, I didn't kill you, but I knew exactly what this was going to be. And, like, that conversation, she's like, she knew what we had to do. She's like, she didn't like him very much. And I was like, ooh. Right. That is a big difference between, I'm not a killer. It's like, hmm, I don't like you. I'm letting him know I'm coming. And I'm also going to get rid of you in the same move. And that's something that they don't start to dig into until the show really starts to find their footing, is that Nikita herself believes that there is this darkness inside of her that working for division sort of highlights in a way it's not even that they put it there it's just that they bring out that darkness in her and she is very fearful of it but it's also a part of why she's so good at what she does and it's it's a little thing like that scene like you said about 
like we were discussing about the other scene where Nikita, um, where OG Nikita turns the wire into a weapon. And both of these scenes, I think, make the same, not the same exact point, but serve the same purpose. Yeah. And that establishing character, but you can just like look over it really quickly. And just like, oh, it's just a cool scene. But really, they're telling you something very important. Yes. Very important about Nikita right now. I'm happy that you compared those scenes because they also, in comparison, make important points, which is in OG LFN, she wants to defend herself to someone showing up. And Nikita, she showed up at this man's house purposefully to set him up. Yes. And like, those are two very different characters going two very different directions. Right. And of course, a big difference is that one was actually a killer before Division slash Section 1 got to her. Yeah. You know? And Nikita, in, you know, Maggie Q's Nikita was, she was a messed up kid, certainly, and had, you know, gone on the wrong tracks and so on and so forth. But lots of messed up kids don't end up committing murder. Yeah. You know? So that's something to be discussed later. So Nikita gets this man killed. Tells, you know, she lays out the entirety of the backstory yeah. in this talk. And it's a, I was going to say it's a bit clunky. It's a lot clunky. clunky. <laughs> like, yeah. it's a lot clunky. I have to say, I feel like I liked this pilot less. No, that's totally valid. because This go around, I, and I hesitate because I'm not sure how much I liked it initially. You know what I mean? Um, and that, not to say that I didn't enjoy it, I thoroughly enjoyed it, but just looking at it more critical, looking at it more critically, no, especially following La Femme Nikita's pilot. Yeah, that's totally valid because after watching, like, this was the show I loved, watched it, watched it all the time. I can clearly state that the La Femme Nikita pilot yeah. was significantly better. Yes. And was far superior. Yes. Far superior, without and a doubt. Both shows are two of my favorite shows, period. Yeah. So I, I love them both equally. I don't know. We'll see. At the end of this podcast, I'll, have to, I'll see if one, one gets the edge over the other. But I, I love them both. So any criticism is done with absolute love. Just yeah, want to put yeah. that out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's highlight that. We yeah. are literally doing a podcast about the shows. <laughs> Criticizing it is clearly out of a place of love. And the fact that we are rewatching hours of television <laughs> And then spending hours talking about it right. to get other people to watch it should highlight the overall feel. Pointing out flaws yeah. and something you love is totally acceptable. And to be fair, this is really cynical black dude and I. This is we're just recording like a regular conversation we yeah. have, essentially. That's actually how we came like, up with this, idea. <laughs> this is just a regular conversation that we would normally have. We're like, hey, maybe let's record it and do a podcast. So welcome to our world. So yeah. She kills this guy, or she gets them to kill this guy, Michael and the cleaner. What's Rowan. his name on this show? Rowan. 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 Yeah. Right. So he's he's a much better cleaner than any cleaner yes. we've seen like, before. Which, you know, we didn't even talk about that when we were going to talk about characters. Is the fact that, yes, he's the cleaner who actually does his job, like, which apparently is a very high bar for cleaners in all the Nikita universes. Yeah. Like, just... I am loyal to Division, and I do my job, and I do it fairly well. Like, well, actually, very well because he's a he's a he's, he's a, a badass. Yeah, he's like, a badass <laughs> yeah, from like, beginning to end. He's a badass. He is an like he's an agent from yes. the Matrix. Like, and he's where, loyal. Yeah, 
you know, I appreciate loyalty, even if you're not loyal to the side I'm on. Like, I appreciate when yes. a character is loyal to whoever they decide, like, is yes, their person. Is, like, thus a traitor is served. I think it is as a TV trope, which is no one trusts a traitor. Yeah. Like, even if you defended my side, it's like, mm, you were a traitor. I would have more respect for you if you would have just stuck to your gun. Right. But oh, well, you know what? I want to talk about, if we could back up a bit, when Michael is in the room with Alex and he's explaining to her all of the things that she has to learn. Yeah. And then they juxtapose that with the scene of Nikita walking into the pool and yes. killing that man. And you get the past and the future right there. But then it transitions into, um, is this where it transitions into Nikita waking up? Yeah. And you see that Michael is explaining all of these wonderful things that she has to learn in order to do her job efficiently. And at first they set it up like, wow, look at Nikita, super sexy, super efficient, killer, lethal, femme fatale, all that. But it's a nightmare yeah. for Nikita. Like, hello, that's brilliant. <laughs> like, it's actually, when you think about it, how God, they set that up, it's that. brilliant. That's- that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> it's deep. It's That's... deep. That they're telling you a lot right there. Take time to see it. And mind you, I didn't see that the first time I saw the show. Yeah, I didn't see it just nor now. the second time, but I saw it this time. And I was like, oh, I see what you're doing here. That's really good. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Good stuff. Yeah. Good so... stuff. Yeah. So then what happens next? Literally, my only line that I have in that entire scene is Maggie Q is stupid levels of badass. Yes. About that scene. Like, yes. Oh, Percy is a great bad guy. The interactions where Percy, where Michael talks to Percy, the difference between Percy and all of the other division and section one head, you hate Percy. You never like Percy. He's always the bad guy. He's smarmy. Yes. But the thing, like, don't get me wrong, he's totally a dick. Yeah. But Here's my thing about creating a successful antagonist. A successful antagonist should have their own goals and motivations separate from just interfering with the success of the protagonist. Right. And you completely understand what Percy's goals are. He's accumulating power. For power Literally power. because they tell you. <laughs> but yeah. Well, yeah. But what I mean is that I, I all wish of that happens- they. Ha- right. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I just I want to clarify. I, I totally agree with you. I wish they could have been a little more subtle yeah. in deploying that information, but it's literally just a part of the exposition drop. Yeah. Like when she's talking to her foster dad. Yeah. He's like, oh, and then later when she's talking to the um to the UN, to the Oh the, yeah, 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 the guy yeah. that she saves yeah. at the end. Yeah. So yeah, Percy is but he's a great villain. Yeah. And like because like not just exposition about why, but the fact that he acts in character all mm-hmm. the time. Like, his decision to go after Nikita isn't because, like, oh, I just have a deep feeling. It's like, no, she's a giant problem yeah. to my actual business. She's like, trying to mess up my bag. Like, yeah, like, and dedicating resources to stopping her is not me, like, oh, you know, being willing and disrupting my business. It's literally, we have to stop her or else we will get literally nothing else done. Like, this is the biggest problem we're currently facing and we have to address it. And I like that because it's not like Voldemort where he just keeps going after Harry Potter or like freaking, you know, all these other one dimensional villains where you're just like, oh my freaking God, please do something that makes sense. Like, you know, if you actually look at Harry Potter, I have no idea what Voldemort actually wanted to do. 
Like I still yeah. don't know. You're like not I talking st- my language right now, as you know. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> but like, Sorry, I have not seen FYI. I don't know anything about Harry Potter. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, on the other hand, am probably going to have to make my own like YouTube channel about me talking about fantasy books <laughs> just to myself in a lonely room. So but we'll get to that. But to your point about Percy, I think what really hits that point on the nail is that prior to Nikita resurfacing, she had not been a priority. Yeah. She escaped. And did they want to find her and kill her? Sure. Were they going to give everything they had to it? No, because they had more pressing concerns for Percy's world takeover. But now that she's like, actually, hey, hey, y'all, I'm back. Literally just to fuck your shit up. Like, that is my sole purpose. I have resurfaced to take you down. So Percy's like, well, then. (laughs) Now we're going to up the level on this, level six or whatever it is. And everybody is focused on that. It's important because he acknowledges her and he does put resources on it. But he doesn't go up to level six until she actually successfully screws up a mission. Because at first it's like, oh, God, she's about to be obnoxious. We should probably get someone on there. But then when she proves she's totally capable of actually doing it, it's like, oh, crap. Oh, I want to talk about that, too. So how about, I'm sorry. I feel like we're jumping all over the place. We are. It's because we watched watched it so many times. It's hard (laughs) not to. Yeah, it's difficult to go linearly for, for this episode. But we'll work on that for next for the next podcast. But when uh, Nikita, oh, she kidnaps Burkhoff. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. So Burkhoff, he, let's talk about Burkhoff. Okay, I have trouble talking about Burkhoff because of like watching the whole series. And so yeah. like, <laughs> but just, hey nerd, like I, I, don't know, yeah. I don't know what else to say. I love their relationship. And I love that you get a piece of that in the pilot and yeah. that there's love there. And especially for a show that really turns out to be as much about found family as it is about anything else. I, I, I appreciate that the seeds of that relationship, the seeds of all of the relationships yes. that end up being important in the end are planted yes. in this pilot. Yes. And that's a remarkable job that they did. And so she ends up uh, setting division up with why they fell for it. I have no idea. Cause it's silly. Like, you know who she is, right? Like, you know, <laughs> you've met her nobody else before her or after has broken out of your super secret location killer secret society but she did it so why you would underestimate her i have no idea why you think that she first leads you to her foster dad's house so that you could kill her i mean kill him yeah like that's not an accident now she's just gonna randomly just be hanging out at this guy's grave site yeah for you guys to show up and take her out. It makes no sense that they would think that. She kidnaps Burkhoff. She can't pull the trigger on him. Of course she can't. Uh, because while this Nikita, Nikita actually is a cold-blooded killer. Yo, for real. <laughs> um, she's, she cares about people in her life. And she doesn't want to just kill innocent people, obviously. Not that Burkhoff is necessarily innocent. But that's her friend. Right. Yeah. And in it, some capacity, some, that's her friend. You also get more of Burkhoff's backstory. Right. Like he's not the same kind of villain as, as right. everyone else in there. So, right. you know. So Burkhoff gets back to take to the, vision, take to the rocking horse. Um, and he gets back to division. And Burkhoff and Percy don't take this threat seriously. And Michael is like, 
no, we need to cut. We need to shut this thing down. Like the op needs to be canceled. It's not going to work. And Nikita's coming for us. <laughs> we need to, we need to go back to the drawing board and figure something else out. And then Percy and and Burkoff are like, no, nah, she seems tired. Like, <laughs> she seems tired. Like, I don't know. I think she's desperate. Let's just continue. It may, it does not make sense to me why they would believe that about her at all. I mean, I guess they're open. Like, she's been out of the game three years. We should be ready to be able to handle it. Like, you know, and mostly important, most importantly, it's a MacGuffin so that we can see that the vision thought they was ready and Nikita just shows up, which, okay, I know we're going to jump ahead again and I'm very sorry, but that scene at the party where they're like, you can't find Nikita unless she wants you to find her. It's like, hey guys, that moment made me so happy in my soul. Yes. Like, like just the sheer, like, arrogance to know that these dudes are doing everything in their power to kill you and to come up and have a drink with them at yes. their party. Like, yes. like, that really tells you it's just like, that's how much I respect. I want you to know that I'm not just coming after you. I will show up at your party, at your house, and drink your wine and talk trash to you to your face with your boss. And like, leave. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then leave and at no point be worried. Yeah. <laughs> about if I was going to make it out of here. Okay. Like my plan still, you know, this is prime example of people playing different games. Yeah. You know, division, they're not on the same board. They're playing, I don't know what game they're playing. Nikita's playing chess. They're playing something else. Yeah. They're playing checkers. Not, not, they play, not even checkers. They're playing Tetris or they're something. Playing like they play Tetris. They play over there. They play a Monopoly. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. they were clearly unprepared for, yeah. for Nikita. And so what I like here is that it's like shades of the take you out to dinner scene. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you get just a hint, like, because we all know, we all know that scene. And so now you get this set up, we're at a nice party and here's Nikita and she still has to find her way out of a situation. But now it's not brand new Nikita leaving to prove herself. Right. It's the key that has been through some things and has six years worth of this training and excelling at her job. Yeah. Quickly dispatching (laughs) the whole party, by the way. The whole party and and leaving. So we gotta touch on that. Because she leaves and she does get caught by Michael. And this is where you get the shades of like what all the Nikitas and Bobs have been like alluding to, playing Mm -hmm. at. This show is like, yes. And this is the first scene. He's got her, got the gunpoint at her. This is his main mission. And he's just like, he can't do it. And my favorite part about it, though, is when she takes the gun and shoots him. Because you know there's something there. But we're the kind of homeboys that I'll shoot you. Right. And, like, like that's the kind of, like, don't worry, it's a throw it through. You'll be good. It, it, it doesn't even count. What I like about that scene also is that it sets up something about Michael's character yeah. in that when she says, I know that you're staying to protect the recruits, just like you tried to protect me. And that I feel like is, it lets you know who this guy is. Yeah. Like, and so it doesn't really make anything, all the things that we know are coming, it's very much in character. Once you keep this idea in mind, if that's the reason why he stays at Division, not out of loyalty to Division, but because he has taken these recruits under his wing and he wants to protect them and for them to be careful. 
And, and then they have a conversation about Nikita's Marcos named Daniel. Yeah. And so, right, that's what the show is. Like I said before, it's the fanfic. It's an AU of yeah. what if Nikita stays with Marcos? Yeah. Right? So that's where they are picking this show up. When she, if, if Nikita stays with Marcos, Marcos dies. That's yeah. what happens. And that's what happens in this show. This guy, Daniel, he dies. You know, they're yeah. not the same character, of course, because Michael, I mean, Daniel was her cover and she ends up falling for this guy. Yeah. Uh, and Michael says, you shouldn't have gotten too close. And Nikita says, like you did with me. <laughs> okay. Hello. So yeah. I love, I love this introduction to this relationship because we all know there's going to be a big romance, but I like that. I just feel like they're subverting a lot of things about the power dynamics that usually exist in the Nikita Bob slash Michael relationship. And they're doing it from the beginning and setting up who actually has the power to an extent at this point, Yeah, you know? It doesn't obviously remain that way throughout the series, but at this point, and I, and I like that. And then, like you said, she shoots him, Yeah, you know, for his own good. Yeah. Like, and like, and they leave on, you know, they still leave on good terms. Like, I don't know. You're one of my best friends. If you shoot me, I don't know if we're ever on good terms ever again. (laughs) Right. I mean, listen, maybe it was to save your life. Maybe. Even then we'd still have to have a very serious discussion about it afterwards. Like, But you know what? You know what we could have? A discussion because you'd still be alive. Yeah. Okay. So so then what happens after that? Oh, you know what we didn't talk about? Um, Alex and Amanda. Oh, yeah. Okay, so first we just got to talk about Amanda versus all the other iterations of... Of Amanda, um, Madeline. Yeah. So, um, I've got to say, so I've watched, what was it, uh, The O.C. and something else she was in. So as soon as I saw her, I was like, oh, she's a bad guy. Like, (laughs) (laughs) That's the problem with certain types of casting, is that, like, you just cast a certain person and, like, you know, you're like, oh, I know what this is. Yeah. And so I was like, even and this is this is outside of the fact that I have already I've already watched the series. It was like no matter what happened, every time I looked at her, I was like, nah, nah. Yeah. I'll believe it. I'll yeah, believe don't it. Don't trust her. Under no circumstances <laughs> trust Amanda. Uh, and yeah. that proves to be the correct yes. choice. Even when she wants to be your friend, she's not your friend. Yeah, she can't. And that she can't. It's a, it's against her Pardon? moral code <laughs> <laughs> to be anyone's friend or ally outside of herself yeah. yeah chronic backstab yeah, disorder, right? amanda's best friend is amanda yeah. um so what i really appreciate about the interaction between alex and amanda is something i think that is very subtle so in og nikita it's like you know you have to use your femininity it's your biggest weapon. And in point of no return, your beauty. Being a woman is your biggest weapon. And even in La Femme Nikita, the series, it was pretty much the same thing, right? And then you get to Nikita and what Amanda tells her is your vulnerability is your biggest weapon. And 
I think it's something super small, but so very important. One, because you're not dealing with, you know, uh, things that are problematic, like, oh, you know, just use your, use your feminine wiles to woo a man and get over on people. What you're actually doing is manipulating people. Like it's getting to the heart of what you're really doing. Be vulnerable. Let these people in enough so that you can manipulate them and get what you want. And that has nothing to do with beauty. Although I do want to point back to the beginning where Michael explains to Alex, well, yeah, we snatched you up because you're a pretty white woman that apparently nobody cares about. And that's rare. Woo! Oh my God, yeah. I forgot about that bomb. Like the CW was like, they spiked one right there. You were like, yeah, that was a bar. Like... I was like, I did not catch that ever before, but especially considering you have a show starring an Asian American woman. Yeah. And then you have Alex, who is a beautiful young white woman. And the fact that they choose not to ignore that that is what makes her such a prize, that her whiteness is what makes her such a prized yeah. possession and the yes. ability to deploy that. as a weapon like they don't actually deal with that ever again in the show but i appreciate that they at least threw that lob out there um in the first episode like hey we're aware yeah and then we'll move on (laughs) but circling back to amanda's idea of using your vulnerability I feel like that, more importantly, that says so much about Amanda Mm -hmm. and how she trains people and how she thinks. Because Amanda's never like the stupid level badass of everyone else in the show. Because by by the time you get to like season three, all the other main characters are all people that are like pretty much, I think at one point they do bring in a SEAL Team 6 member and he's the weakest link in their fighting group. Right. And so, you know, that's the caliber of people you're dealing with. It's like, oh, yeah. I've got, you know, two sticks and a rock and I went into a building with a hundred armed men and I came out with a hundred guns and a bunch of dudes screaming, please don't hurt me. Amanda's never on that level. That's right. never the game Amanda plays. And she is the most dangerous. Amanda's a Clark. If yes, Clark that's, were that's a bad exactly. guy. And that's, that's what makes her terrifying. And we're talking about Clark from the hundred. Yeah. So, Which is terrifying. Because yeah. She's like, a, a master has, manipulator. Yeah. Like, remember, Clark's back isn't big enough for all the uh, kill scars. Right. And that's so, at the end of season two. Right. So let's not get to that. Right, right. Um, so Amanda, I, I love this version of Amanda, but I also remember loving Madeline, though I cannot really remember why I loved Madeline. So I'm looking forward to re-watching the show to, to reacquaint myself with the character of Madeline and how she plays out in the, you know, in the world of La Femme Nikita, the original. Fast forward, they have their the final mission, then Nikita comes and just throws a wrench, just messes <laughs> everything up. Like Michael told them she would. Yeah, like, like with ease, like had with a clear plan, ease. went through, ran her plan in the middle of your plan without even slowing down. Just walked in. <laughs> there wasn't even, there was not even subterfuge. Walked in the front door, went up the elevator, walked into the room oh no she did stop to beat some ass real quick yeah in the, like bathroom. In the bathroom yeah <laughs> and she and she beat them in like maybe 30 seconds she's like oh yeah. that could have gone better like that was her <laughs> critique of herself after she 
beat the shit out of these two guys. She's like, oh, that was like expended a little more energy than than yeah. I meant to. What I loved about that scene too is that it seems like when she was fighting Tom, because this is his first mission, he's like a baby assassin. And I feel like she wasn't taking him seriously. And then he punched her in the gut and she was like, oh, word, okay. <laughs> yeah, which that that is actually, you see that other times when she fights, like ends up going up against other recruits. It's like, she's like, oh, you're so adorable. Right. And like, you can see that she's like, you're not a real agent. So I'm not going to give you the real agent treatment, which I, the real agent treatment is I'm going to shoot you in the face. Because, right. Right. <laughs> like, she's like, oh, you're baby. So, you know. Right. And it's like, the yeah. fact that I'm taking my time to physically fight you. Yeah. It's a blessing. You're welcome. So I know you don't watch cartoons, but it makes me think of this scene in uh, the Harley Quinn cartoon and Poison Ivy has to fight giant trees. Makes sense in context. And she breaks one and she looks and it's a running joke and she looks at the rings and she's like, oh, he's just a baby. And that's the, that's the feel I get when Nikita fights recruit. It's mm-hmm. like she puts him down and she's like, oh, he's just a baby. Right, right. But, so yes. poor Tom and his buddy, they knocked out in the bathroom. No big deal. Nikita takes the elevator up, kidnaps uh, the an UN guy, like, yeah, kidnaps like a UN dude, puts him on a gurney, runs into Roan in the hallway, and I feel like it was very much a scene of game recognized game when they yeah. see each other in the hallway, and it's like they just they don't get the opportunity to interact at that moment yeah. because some security guards come in, you know, Nikita gets away. Yeah, a and, family comes out. Oh, yeah. that's right. A family comes out, and then the security guards come, and he yeah. and Rowan ends up fighting those dudes. Yeah. Nikita drops Buddy off at the UN. She's like, you're welcome. Division is bad. She explains the entirety of Division's motivations yeah. in the car. A little bit sloppy, but I'll allow it. Like we said, pilots are difficult. And then, and then is that the end? Does something else happen after she explains all of that? Yeah. What happens next? Thing. What happens? He starts talking oh, that's on right. the computer. The yes. most important thing. Yes, which yes, is what yes. makes like, and that's the part that I had so much trouble. It's because, like I've like, seen it so many times that I forget yeah. that this was actually a big reveal. Yes. <laughs> and like that's that's that was my problem too. And so you get to this point and you Nikita's back at her hide, at her hideout and she's typing away on like what looks like a command prompt window on her computer, talking to someone else, and you realize she's got a bowl inside the vision. And then hand back and it's Alex. Mm. And then you show that she was the other one in the mask in the initial shooting who shot the bad guy, which is important because Michael early on in the episode discussed that Alex's boyfriend, who was supposed to have been the partner in mm-hmm. this uh, crime, was a terrible person. Yeah. Which they set that up early because it's like, so then when you find it, the Nikita totally must have killed that dude and that's why right. he found his body. Like that's like, nah, literally the only guy. assumption that you can make is that Nikita yeah. killed this guy. Yeah. And so and she's yeah, yeah, so she's on the job. And they set got- this whole thing up. See, Nikita's playing a different game. Yeah, like, like. She's playing like, a different like, game. You know, you don't even think about what it must take to set up to have your partner be, like, to have them do all the work to bring your partner in. Like, they just, she just had her get arrested. And she's like, I know how to set this up. I know exactly what yes. it makes you look like to get you in here. And that's why she's been quiet for three years. And yeah. that's why if you are division, you have to be like, why is she showing up now? Yeah. Because it's not like she hates us more today than she did three years ago. Yeah. Right? When she broke out. So what has she been planning for three years? Yeah. Only Michael seems to understand yeah. that, yeah. you know, which makes sense because I guess he's had 
yeah, he more, knows. you know, time with her and, and stuff like that. And I guess also you have to think that like at this point, Percy only knows her as just another division agent who left because remember the interaction where he's like, oh, didn't I take you to one of these things when they were at the bar? Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, you need a bit of arm candy. And it makes sense that that's literally how Percy would have seen her because he has an entire room full of these recruits. Why would she stand out until she stood out? So like for him, I feel like I don't know how true that is, but I'm thinking about something that happens much later in the series and a conversation that Percy has with Nikita uh, in your favorite episode. We won't discuss which. Oh, yeah. So you know what episode I'm talking about. And they have a conversation and I feel like he brings up some things. But But he's also an egomaniac, so it could just be his narcissism talking at that point as well. So who, who's to say? Maybe we'll, we'll figure that out as yeah, we once go. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get yeah, there. we'll figure that out. But, but yeah. He, yeah, but like the reveal that Alex is working for Nikita and their parallel storylines, which I thought was a great framing device for this episode where they decided to redirect where they were going to go with the show. Mm-hmm. It was actually like they were, it was a clunky pilot, but this idea that they tried to create and generate to show Alex going through the initial Nikita mission while Nikita is going against them and showing them running parallel lines and the whole setup where you think that, oh, they're going to intersect and end up being in conflict. And you think that this is what this show is creating, to them creating another Nikita to battle their Nikita. And instead, you find out that, like, nope. Nikita created another Nikita. Yeah. And yeah, to, boy, to did join she. her boy, team. <laughs> yeah. Boy, did she. She's like, I need another badass as badass as I need a, I need a Nikita Jr. Uh, oh, oh, my God. Can I'm trying to jump ahead, but like, yes, Nikita Jr. Because I just, whatever, we'll skip that. Okay. That's a episode I don't want to talk about. Okay. What I do want to say, though, is that one of the most important notes that I noted on my pad while I was watching this show is that Alex is Gabrielle. You're, we're watching Xena. Wait, what? Wait Alex a minute. Alex is Gabrielle. Hmm. Alex is Gabrielle. Really? Break it down for me, because I don't see okay. it. Other than that she's a sidekick. I don't see it. The entire evolution of her journey to become a killer and how at the end, how she feels and has to come to terms with the fact that she just kills callously versus what we're coming up in these first episodes where she can't, like, okay, develops her own agency outside of Nikita to be her own character and her own badass. Yeah. Okay. I mean, as the resident gay on this podcast, I love that you have a closer relationship to Xena than I do. Like, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I, am, okay. I just have to say, I normally felt that I had a closer relationship to Zena than anyone. And then I went to that con. And oh, yes. Really had my, really had my yes. emotions stepped on. Yes. Like, Realize am, you were in the junior leagues. Yeah. Like, I am a baby Zena <laughs> fan. And I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. First time in my life I'm ever walking into an entire room of dozens of people who were like, oh, that's adorable. Like, yeah. I can name like three, four, like, I can name... I think, God, what, like dozens of episodes. And they're like, you can't name them all. Right. Like, oh, like, oh. Way, y'all, y'all are all out of my league. Yeah. All of them. Okay. I will interrogate this um, Alex as Gabrielle. Here's the problem I have with this, is that at no point ever do I, have I ever shipped Nikita and Alex? And it is very difficult in my mind to separate Xena and Gabrielle's relationship. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Like, I understand that because, um, yeah, like, I mean, I've definitely read, no, that's a lie. I've read one fanfic that shipped them and it was awkward. 
But like, yeah. <laughs> but it's the same problem. Okay, but yeah. it's the same problem why no one can really ship um, Simmons and and Daisy and what you call it. It's because Nikita and Michael. Once you get there, yeah, that shit is done. Like you right. are locked the fuck in. Yes. Like, if you like, want something else other than Nikita and Michael, I don't know what show yeah, you're I watching. What you, I don't know what you want. I don't know <laughs> what you want because I feel like in both this version and look at Nikita, like. I feel like the relationships were done justice in both versions of this yeah. uh, of this show. So yeah, yeah. Alex is the mole. Yeah. And that's where we end the episode. And like you were saying, I, I love that this is how they choose to close close it out because now you really understand, oh, we're telling a different story. <laughs> yes. This is not the Nikita that you knew. And yeah. I feel like that is what really saves them because you cannot be with them, Nikita. You just can't. Yeah. So yeah. you might as well figure out a way to forge your own path. And I think that if you you can compare like how they approach things differently and stuff, but the stories are so different that I, it gives you room to appreciate them each for what they are and what yes. they are trying to do. Yeah. Um, now, just as a fan cast, Nikita Mears versus Samin Shaw. We can't put them on the same team against anything because that's an unfair team. And that's like, you know, that's like the, that's like the, the dream team from the Olympics. You, you can't do that. So against each other. Who you throw Nikita. Your money? Nikita. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's not really a competition. I love Samin, uh, but Nikita's hand-to-hand combat is, is far yeah. superior to Samin's. Yeah. So, yeah, Nikita's going to get the, yeah, Nikita definitely gets the win there. Okay. Not, I don't even think it's a contest, to be honest. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. There you have it. <laughs> so let's talk about for the last bit of this extraordinarily long episode. Sorry. Not sorry. Not sorry. sorry. Maggie Q and Peter Wilson's versions of Nikita. And what do you think about the way each actor approaches these characters? Because they're quite different yeah, characters. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is that like, it's so hard to compare because they are so disparate in who they're even portraying, yeah. who they're even attempting to portray, that, like, comparing them, even though it's the same show, based on, like, the same source, they're not even remotely the same character. They're doing entirely different yes, things. Yes, entirely different. And it's amazing. It, it's just, it, I love looking at these shows together because, like you said, it's the same IP. And I used to tell people, I was like, yeah, they're doing a remake of Nikita, but if you watch it, they literally could have called the show or something else. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> they yes. could have called it anything <laughs> because it's only very, like, tangentially related to La Femme yeah. Nikita, you know, in the basic setup of the show. And I think that's what's great about this property is that you can take the basic setup of La Femme Nikita, the killer or so called killer, gets arrested goes to a secret government program, has to learn how to be a killer and does that. Super basic, right? Depending on the person you insert into who that role, who, what kind yes. of individual is playing that role, you can call the person Nikita all you want, but yeah. based on the backstory, and even if it's the similar backstory, kid who didn't have a family, right? That's similar. Both of them were on the street. Both of them are using drugs, making bad decisions. But what do you fill in around that? Yeah. And it's like the world is your oyster. Like you were saying about Nikita, if you take out a white woman, take out an Asian woman and put 
a Latina or a Black woman or any, anybody. It yeah. changes the story so drastically just because you get to be very specific about what that person's life would be and how and, they would move in this the, world. Yeah. And how, like, just the difference between as an Asian-American woman interacting in America versus a Black woman interacting in America. It doesn't matter if you're an assassin. Like, you also have to just be able to walk around. And right. the differences you face in that and, like, you know, walking into a high-end hotel yeah. as an Arab woman or a Black woman versus yeah. being a white woman. Like, just those, like, those realities and, like, you know, what would your training be like? How would that differentiate for the realities you face? Like, yeah, that's actually. I love that in La Femme Nikita, the, even though, even though Amanda is the one who talks about vulnerability, what really sells for me Peter Wilson's characterization of Nikita is the vulnerability that she displays. And you can like feel it in every single scene. You get that like just bubbling under the surface and the, the, the pull of it versus all of the other things that she has to do. And then with Maggie Q and her Nikita, who is on a different journey, who is Nikita in the future, you know, that vulnerability is covered up. It's there. Yeah. But you know, it's going to take some time to like pull the layers back for, for that Nikita. I don't know. I love both. I love both actors. I love both characters. I I can't wait to, to look at episodes two. Yes. I'm probably going to watch them tonight. And then we'll have to watch them again. Yeah. So well, any like final thoughts? Um, one, just going back to what I was saying, I think that would be better because especially for La Femme Nikita, since I haven't watched it, watching it and taking notes, I feel it's pulling me out a little bit. So I think I probably do need to rewatch it twice. Like once mm. to just watch it and then a second time. Just to enjoy see. it. Yeah. That's a great idea. I will do the same. Look at us making excuses to watch the show <laughs> more than we are already doing. Yes, I will also watch because yeah, I did keep having to pause and like write yeah. down my and notes and stuff, stuff like and that and I miss yeah. stuff because like sometimes I'm like oh, I just write it down later because I don't want to like interrupt like I'm in the middle of a good scene and you're like mm, I'm not gonna break this moment up yeah but. so I'm super excited that you enjoyed La Femme Nikita I was not worried uh, <laughs> because my taste is impeccable uh <laughs> she's also so humble folks <laughs> my say t- I have never led you wrong when it comes to television never okay Okay. That, uh, okay. Okay. So I, I I had a feeling that you you would really enjoy La Femme Nikita. I was just excited to to hear your thoughts on it. So this has been super fun. I cannot wait until next week uh, when we talk about episodes two. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Sorry, this podcast is a million hours long. It always will be. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> most likely it, it always will be. But we're trying to be a little more linear when we talk about it. Uh, next week. And kudos to you if you made it this long. We appreciate you. (laughs) Have a good night. Bye.